everyone. Thanks for listening today to the Internews Health Podcast. My name is Catherine Cleary, and I'm the Member and Engagement Coordinator at the Internews Health Journalism Network. You can find out more about this network and register to become a member by visiting our website at healthjournalism.internews.org. Today, it is my absolute pleasure to speak with John Kinsman, a social and behavior change expert from the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control. John is with us today to unpack how journalists can report in ways that better engages people who have not yet been vaccinated. Welcome, John. Thanks for being with us here today. Thanks very much, Catherine. So, John, before we dive into the nitty gritty of everything here, um, can you tell us a bit about your background? You have been all over the world. You've been part of some really interesting things. So just kind of tell us a bit about yourself. Thanks. Yes, very briefly. Um, I currently work for ECDC, which is the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control. And <clears throat> excuse me, and I've been there since about uh, tw- since 2019. So I got embedded in the organisation just before the pandemic started, which which worked out well in, in the timing. So ECDC is an EU agency. And what we do is to provide um, guidance and support for the European Commission and for the European Union member states on all things to do with infectious diseases and cross-border health threats. So that's uh, that's what we do here. And I am an infectious disease social scientist. And as you say, that means I've sort of had quite a lot of different jobs in different countries all over the world. Um, before I was here in, in Stockholm, I was an associate professor in Umeå University, associate professor in, in global health. and. A lot of the work was on health systems research in Africa and uh, HIV, a lot of work on HIV in Africa. And I worked on the Ebola outbreak in Sierra Leone and I've done some work on polio in Somalia and things like that. So um, quite a diverse and interesting uh, bunch of of projects I've been lucky enough to take part in. Um, And uh, so I'm really, really happy to be with you today. And I think the Internews organization is fantastic. So it's wonderful to have the chance to to speak with you today. Well, thanks so much for that. I know our members are um, hopefully really going to benefit from your insights today. So what role, in your opinion, do journalists play in boosting vaccine confidence and uptake globally? Um, I think that journalists have an enormous role to play. I think people read and consume news all over the world, obviously, Mm -hmm. and that has to come from somewhere. And that comes from you lot, the journalists. So essentially what you can do, as I see it, is you can shape the discourse around an issue that's emerging. Um, And I think, you know, the power of that is, is enormous because you can sometimes see stories, you can see something happens in the news, you can see a story emerging and you think to yourself, now, how's this going to play out? How's this one going to get picked up by the media? So then editors and journalists will choose an angle on it. And essentially, you as the journalists, therefore, are creating that angle. You're shifting the narrative in a way that you think is important. And you're providing an evidence base and you're providing a sort of a platform um, on which people can then act on this story. So your role is enormous. And I would also say, um, which I think is very exciting about this, uh, this, this podcast that we're doing right now, that you have well, we, we can be very close allies. Journalists and public health can work very closely together. So it's it's uh, very, very important. So when you're talking about shifting narratives and shaping narratives, unfortunately, with the pandemic, we've seen some very dangerous narratives take place, some very harmful narratives in terms of science, in terms of vaccines. 
um, misinformation and disinformation has kind of become an information pandemic on its own. So now since this podcast is specifically for our HJN members, we spoke with four of our members from around the world to see what kinds of questions they would have for you. And I mean, these questions are coming from experiences that they've had on the ground. So to start off, I'm going to hit you with kind of a hard one. So let's let's take a trip to Central Asia in Turkmenistan, where by the sounds of it, things aren't so easy for health journalists right now. Um, Anabat Yelimova, editor of saglik.org, the only health information website in the Turkmen language, shares with us that the WHO is reporting zero COVID-19 related deaths and infections in Turkmenistan. And this is having a huge impact on vaccine uptake. So now, John, how do we even start a conversation with someone when these basic statistics and data isn't reported, and even more so when evidence-based medicine is not respected? Thanks for a really difficult question. Um, I, 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 have to, is... I have to keep it difficult in the beginning. You've got to keep you on your toes. <laughs> exactly. Throw me in at the deep end there. Um, no, Ainabat, thank you for that. It's a really, really tricky one here. And we work in the EU. Um, so these kinds of problems are not really what we have to address in our in our daily work. And I, I really uh, you know, commend you for, for having to confront this and, and, and deal with it. So if you're looking at how you discuss statistics and data when such what such things are not even respected it, it's 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 kind of symptomatic of a lot of things that are going on in different parts of the world right now where you've got what's been described as a, as a post-truth um, reality or a post-fact world that we're living in and trying to to bridge that gap is is uh, not something that we can just wish into being it's some, not something that we can just make happen the only thing I can say is and there really is not an easy answer to this, and it's it's a, it's the one of the big questions of our time, I think. If you're in a situation where there are reported no deaths and no infections from Turkmenistan, quite hard to believe that that's true. And I think people are just going to have to look around them and see when people start getting kind of COVID symptoms that this is not just a cold, this is not just flu, and and people are going to have to use their eyes and their ears to see what's going on around them. So, I mean, it, it's this is not a, a question with an easy solution, and I can't give you a clear, clear answer to it, except that you've hit on, as I say, one of the big questions of our times. Thanks, John. So in that sense, um, would you recommend, I mean, journalists that are finding themselves in this situation where the data, the statistics, that overall kind of institutional information infrastructure is missing, um, that journalists perhaps pursue more of a activist kind of stance in reporting that encourages people to, you know, ask the big questions. Have you been having these kinds of symptoms? Have you known people that have been very ill recently? Have you noticed people going to hospital more regularly? Um, I mean, would that sort of thing maybe be beneficial in, a, in an instance like this? Yeah, I think that's probably, if you can't get the actual kind of high level population data, then you you need to take it down to what journalists are very good at, which is the story of the individual. And I think that's exactly what you're what you're suggesting here. You have to be careful in some countries. I, I'm also aware of that. If there is, uh, you know, the possibility of risks to you as a journalist, if you're going to tell a story which might be perhaps confrontational to state authorities, which are trying to put one narrative across and you're actually trying to question that narrative, that could be very challenging and difficult for you. And you will know in your own country um, what 
the limits are, um, but you'll probably know what the limits are and you'll try and work within that limit. But as you say, Catherine, I think the key here is to tell the individual story and focus on people who have been through an experience which the, your readers or your listeners would then reflect on and think mm -hmm, that's something which is which is going on here definitely and i think you know there's power in numbers not just data and statistical numbers but also you know numbers of people and numbers of human interest stories so taking our our virtual trip back now we're going to go to the african continent in ghana where we have radio journalist Gideon Swakodi Osei. And now Gideon is wondering, how do journalists respond when people argue that there are reports of vaccinated persons still becoming infected with COVID-19? And now Gideon has also shared a very recent article published by City Newsroom about an incident specifically in Ghana where a group of medical doctors are making claims against vaccination. So for our listeners, let me just share a short part of this story with you. Um, in a petition dated Monday, 10 January 2022, the group comprising 11 doctors noted that some developed countries with very high vaccination rates are, quote, currently deploying booster programs, yet they are struggling to get the virus under control, especially with these new variants. Quote, assuming as a country we are to vaccinate more than 50% of our population, are we going to continue with perpetual boosters every three to six months in an attempt to maintain vaccine-induced immunity to this disease, the group quizzed? Another quote, where then is the end point when these vaccines do not stop infection or the spread of COVID-19? Is this financially feasible for us as a nation? Close quote. Now, John, this is something we are also seeing all over the world. Um, I know here where I am in South Africa, this is also a question that's being raised um, by the public. How do you best recommend that Gideon, as a journalist, approaches circumstances like this? There's two elements here, I think. One, which is the sort of narrative that um, the vaccination is a waste of time because people are going to get sick anyway. And on the other hand, the other issue is the doctors who are going against vaccination. So those are two different issues to pursue. Looking at the first one, it is true that the vaccinations that we currently have do not very effectively prevent infection. But what they do do very effectively is to prevent severe disease and death. And that cannot be stated strongly enough. So people mm -hmm. who say, yeah, well, you know, people I've been vaccinated, but here I've got COVID. Yes, but the relationship in, in the hospital, if you look at a ward of people who are very sick, almost invariably they will be unvaccinated. The people who die are almost invariably unvaccinated or at least not fully vaccinated. And that's the key thing as a journalist, please to try and get this point across. Very important also that we try and avoid a sense of fatalism about this. Oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it. What's the point? If I get vaccinated, I get sick. If I don't get vaccinated, I sick. We need to, uh, we need to fight that. That's not uh, a way of thinking that we should be encouraging at all. By vaccinating, you're protecting yourself and also potentially protecting other people. In terms of the question about, is this financially feasible for a nation? And that we're looking here at Ghana, but I think this would, would, would apply in many, many African countries, if not most. Um, no, it probably isn't financially feasible to continue vaccinating endlessly. Um, and I think it's very clear that this is going to have to be donor supported. It's not, it can't be expected if you've got a limited health budget that all the budget would go on COVID vaccinations and then you wouldn't have money to support, for example, maternal and child health issues or children's vaccinations or whatever. So this is definitely something that needs to be supported by donors and, and the governments of these countries will have to negotiate that one out. And then there's the question about vaccinating 
are we going to do as he as, as this uh, group of doctors said perpetual boosters well probably not um, we do know quite clearly that having had the first course the primary course of, of vaccinations plus the booster you're very very well protected for some time and there is some degree of waning immunity in terms of antibody responses please note i am not an immunologist i'm a social scientist but i listen to my colleagues here at ecdc who do definitely know what they're talking about that we have what's called cellular immunity um, which is a different thing and these cells sit in your body and they're kind of primed they're like the sort of command and control the antibodies are the, are the chaps running around waiting on they're doing the patrols they're looking in the blood for the for the bad guys and they'll attack when they find it but if there are no bad guys the antibodies will stop running around they'll stop being created but the command and the control center the t cells and the memory cells they continue so if there is a, a subsequent infection it's not like you're starting from scratch again so there will always be no i, I shouldn't say always but there will be a residual immunological capacity in the body how how effective that will be i don't know no one knows the answer to that question but we can't say that we're going back to scratch after a few months of of um, having been vaccinated so that's also an important point to make clear and then the other line i was talking about which is we're, we're looking at doctors here who are, are going against vaccination this is very problematic because in all countries um, the one group of people who people do trust, at least in certainly in most countries, is health workers. And if your doctor says, oh, I really don't recommend that, then of course you listen. So this is very problematic. And then you need to ask yourself, what's, what's driving these doctors? As a journalist, that would be where I would go. Who are these doctors um, and what's their agenda? Why are they doing this? And that's not to say that there's necessarily some sort of nefarious thing going on with them. They may truly believe it. But in some cases also, we know very well that there are people who are actively making money to undermine vaccination programs. We know that they're making money or they have a political agenda, which is wider than this. So if I was a journalist, I would want to look at those doctors and try and understand what's their agenda. Why are they doing this? Because they are not speaking according to the the current scientific understanding of what we have. I think you make such a great point there, John. You know, you you touch on, you know, a huge root of journalism in general, and that's, you know, asking the big questions and investigating where does information come from? What's driving this kind of information? And you're absolutely right. Um, and I think that ties into a later question about um, fake vaccine certificates and, and forged tests, but we'll get to that. The music from this episode is from Zapsplat, As Time Passes, 